It's a wonderful world. Well, I want to talk to you this weekend about the butterfly effect. The butterfly effect. Any butterfly fans in the house today? You like butterflies? My kids love chasing butterflies. And I remember when I first heard about this theory, the butterfly effect, and it, it was so intriguing to me, the idea that a butterfly could flap its wings on one side of the world, and when those wings were flapping, it could send molecules of air in motion that would set in motion more molecules of air, more molecules of air, and that on the other side of the world, it could start a hurricane. And it all started with the flapping of a butterfly's wings. I thought, there's no way that's crazy. The older I got, the more I realized, not only is it a theory, not only is it crazy and intriguing, but it's true, and it became a law. And it, it was called the law of sensitive dependence on initial conditions. Scientists, experts, all of these really smart people came together and studied this theory that Edward Lorenz proposed in 1967. And 30 plus years later in the mid 90s, they concluded that his theory was correct, not just for butterflies, but for anything that moves, that anything that has motion has the power to set other molecules in motion that could create a massive impact down the road. Now we know this scripturally that what we do in our lifetime echoes in eternity. That what we do here for the kingdom of God sets things in motion that decades, years to come, you're sitting in a room because somebody flapped their wings several years ago by generously giving into a building vision that started in my dad's heart, who was flapping his wings when he was in college at ORU, dreaming about the day of starting a church that now you're sitting in 42 years later, listening to his son preach about the power of one person making an action for the kingdom of God. Somebody say, my actions matter. Not just your actions, but your words. Your words matter. When I was listening to my mom pray a blessing over us during the offering time, those were the words I grew up listening to every single day. My mom just praying over us, speaking a blessing over us, praying in the spirit. Why? Because she realized her words were like the flapping of a butterfly. She was setting in motion things that would come into our lives years to come. You're sitting in here today because some of you had a grandma who never gave up on you, an aunt who prayed for you, a mom who dragged you into church, and now you're dragging your little kids into church. Some of you went through rehab, but and the devil tried to take your life, but somebody was flapping their wings so that you could one day discover the power of the gospel through Jesus Christ. Y'all, the room we're sitting in, the world we're living in, Everything we see, it started with someone. And, and this, is, this is, in the New Testament, they talk about how we are children of Abraham, that Abraham's faith was the beginning of the story that God was gonna write through Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, these 
messed up family members who made mistakes. None of these guys were perfect. None of these people that God used were perfect. But through this family that kept on taking steps of faith and action towards God's plan and God's purpose, God began to move. Molecules of air would set into motion more molecules of air. And that through this family, God would send his son, Jesus. And so we've been in the story of the book of Ruth, and I wanna go back to the book of Ruth. If you've got a Bible, go to Ruth chapter three. Ruth chapter three. Come on. I, I hear you flapping your wings out there, butterflies, shouting for the word of God. Let me hear the, the sound of the Bible turning the flapping of the butterfly wings. Come on, all it takes is a little bit of flaps. When you get the word of God, I'm going to be as cheesy as I can be during this sermon. When you get the word of God inside you, it sets things in motion. It sets things in motion. The word of God sets. God created the world with his words. <sighs> the flapping of a butterfly's wings. You know, it's interesting. And, and before I read, let's just jump into Ruth chapter 3, verse 1. One day. Everybody say one day. Everything starts one day. Everything starts one day. You know, this past week, my mom shared with me that a man who had been in our church for a long time went to be with the Lord. His name was Mike McCutcheon. And Mike was the accountant that did all of the finances for victory for 30 plus years. And his life was spent serving in the house of God, the people of God, the purpose of God. This past week when his wife Sharon called my mom and said, Mike has gone to be with the Lord. He's been fighting a battle against cancer and he stepped into eternity. You know, I just took a moment just to give thanks to God for Mike's life. And if you know Mike McCutcheon, how many of y'all remember Mike McCutcheon or the McCutcheon family? Then you know he was a faithful man of God right here in this house. Your life matters. And it all starts on one day. Everybody say one day. One day, Ruth's mother-in-law, Naomi, said to Ruth, she was flapping her butterfly wings, my daughter, I must find a home for you where you will be well provided for. So Naomi, she started the book of Ruth with a very bitter spirit. She had lost her husband. She lost her two sons. She had walked through incredible just pain, heartbroken by being not just a widow, but now a, um, a, a mom without any children. And here she is, she's taking care of her daughter-in-law, who once was her daughter-in-law, Ruth. And it's really Ruth that's taking care of Naomi. Ruth has been working hard, working in the fields. And Naomi starts to get this courage to think, we gotta find you a husband. Naomi was kind of a matchmaker. And she says, we gotta find you somebody. And verse two, she says, now Boaz. Come on, y'all remember Boaz? Y'all remember Boaz's cousins that you don't wanna end up with? I didn't say it, Jensen Franklin said it, but you don't want Boaz's cousins. So now Boaz, with whose women you have worked, is available. He is single, Ruth. This guy, and he has not gotten the hint that you are also single and available. So tonight, everybody say tonight. Naomi was, she was a right now type of person. She was not a procrastinator. She was, she was gonna make some moves. She was ready. She says, tonight is the night, Ruth. Boaz will be working on the threshing floor. Wash, everybody say wash. Wash, wash your face, wash yourself, get clean. Put on your best perfume. Get dressed in your best 
clothes. Just listen to Naomi, just talking. How many of y'all had a mama like that or someone that was just like just preparing you for the date? I remember as a little brother for my sisters when uh, my sisters were getting ready for the prom and I remember just being in the house just pestering my older sisters, me and my brother, and my mom was in there, and they were, you know, frantically getting prepared for the prom, and it was such an exciting time at our house. I remember when the guy came in, me and John walked up, we're like, you better not mess with our sister, you know, but we were, we were, we were excited about Sarah, Ruthie getting to go on their prom date. Here, Naomi, as she's preparing Ruth, she says, get your best clothes, get your best perfume." This isn't just a story. This isn't just a really good love story, better than any Hallmark movie out there, better than any rom-com you've heard. This is a story that's like a shadow in the Old Testament about what's coming in the New Testament. This is a story about us and God. This is a story about us being redeemed by Jesus Christ from the slavery to sin, shame, guilt, condemnation that Jesus purchased us he redeemed us from the 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 pain and the misery of being lost without a savior come on we wouldn't be here today if it wasn't for the redemption and the love of Jesus Christ this is that story this is that story now here's the crazy thing Naomi thinks that somehow Ruth's perfume is going to convince Boaz that he should redeem her it wasn't her perfume it wasn't just her best clothes It's that Boaz was a man who understood his responsibility and he had a generous sacrificial spirit that he wanted to take care of Ruth. You have a father in heaven that you don't have to earn his kindness, his mercy, his goodness. You don't have to put on the best perfume when you come to church. You can come as you are and he wants to take care of you. He wants to bless you. He wants to bless his children. He wants to take care of you this Christmas. I'm so thankful that God doesn't just walk around with the naughty or nice list like Santa Claus. You better watch out. You better not cry. You better not pout. I'm telling you why. Some people see Jesus as this, you know, well, You haven't been good. You're getting coals this year for Christmas. I'm not going to protect you anymore because you said a cuss word this year. You got impatient with your child. You got angry. Maybe you didn't say it with your mouth, but you thought about it in your head. You got upset with with the Sooners this year, with the OSU Cowboys this year. You got frustrated with your wife. So you're getting coals this year. I'm so glad that God's mercy never runs out, that every single morning, his goodness and his mercy is available to you and I. It's unfair. It doesn't make sense to us. We go, no, we gotta earn it. We gotta earn it. We gotta put on our best perfume. And I'm not saying it's an excuse to live however you wanna live. I'm just saying you've got a God in heaven who is greater than your biggest mistake, who is more merciful than your worst day of the year, and he's ready to help you even when you can't put yourself together in your nicest clothes or wear your best perfume. Naomi says, get ready, get ready. And then she says this, go where he lies down in verse four. Once he's done eating and drinking in verse four, when you see Boaz get ready to lay down, go over and uncover his feet and lay yourself before him. He'll tell you what to do. This is getting risky. And listen to what Ruth says. She says, I will do whatever you say. I remember when my dad preached about a pastor in South Korea. His name was Dr. Cho. And Dr. Cho pastored the largest church in the world. 
Uh, it's still to this day the largest church in the world. A million people are a part of this church in Seoul, South Korea. One million physical attendees at all their different campuses. That's not just online. That is physically showing up to church. And they've got multiple buildings and, and house churches and large gatherings. And, and Dr. Cho has gone to be with the Lord. But I remember listening to my dad talk about him. And he said, this was the secret Dr. Cho shared with all these pastors. They said, what is the secret to the success you've seen of reaching unchurched people, people that are far from God? He said, I pray and I obey. I pray and I obey. When I listen to this moment here with Ruth and Naomi, Naomi is almost in this moment representative of the voice of God speaking to Ruth, the voice of the Holy Spirit speaking to us, that if we will listen to the Holy Spirit and if we will take on that same spirit that Mary said, that Ruth said, whatever you say, I will do. May it be unto me according to your word. See, anything is possible for the one who believes. And if we will take God at his word and say, I will do whatever you say. God wants to graft you into his story. Little did Ruth know that her obedience to Naomi's words would set molecules of air into motion. Butterfly effect. That would set more molecules of air into motion. That would get Boaz thinking it's time to redeem this woman. That would one day bring them together in holy matrimony. Boaz would not sleep with Ruth until they were married. Come on, somebody. And then once they got married, you're going to see in Ruth chapter 4 that this would be a part of Jesus's family, that Jesus would come through Ruth and Boaz's descendants, that Ruth's actions here weren't just about her, that when you give in the offering, when you speak a word of encouragement, when you mentor a young boy, when you help out at a Thanksgiving feast, when you serve at the Dream Center, it's not just about you. It's about your kids' kids. It's about your kids' 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 kids. It's about someone on the other side of the world that's gonna experience a hurricane of God's love because you flapped your wings in Tulsa, Oklahoma. People in Ghana, Africa, are saved because some young adults in Tulsa, Oklahoma decided to start a church in 1981. Don't ever underestimate the power of your yes. Your yes. In 2004 on ABC, there was a special that would air every week. It was called Person of the Week. How many of y'all remember Person of the Week? And um, this show, I remember I'd, I'd watch the news sometimes with my mom and dad and and it would come on and they would feature someone who had an interesting story, an interesting life. Well, one week they honored a man named Norman Borlaug. He was 91 years old. And they honored him as person of the week uh, because he was credited for saving two billion people from starvation. So if you save two billion people from starvation, you get honored as the person of the week. But, but he was credited for saving two billion people because he started something that was known as the Green Revolution. His agricultural research, his teaching, his decision-making helped nations around the world have food during famines where they should have died. And he won the Nobel Peace Prize Award, the Presidential Medal of Freedom. So that week they honored Norman Borlaug. But as they were talking about it, they started saying, well, the credit doesn't really lie with Norman. It really lies with the guy who mentored Norman. His name was Henry Wallace. 
Henry Wallace was a vice president under Roosevelt. A lot of people think, no, 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 it was Truman that was the vice president under Roosevelt. But Roosevelt served four terms and he had three different VPs. And the guy in the middle was Henry Wallace. Henry Wallace, while he was in his position of power, yielded his, his power and his authority to create a station in Mexico that would, uh, uh, the sole purpose of this station in Mexico was to hybridize corn and wheat for arid climates. He hired a 19-year-old guy named Norman Borlaug to run this station. Norman would learn under Henry Wallace how to hybridize corn and wheat so that decades later, he was used as the guy to save two billion people's lives. So it wasn't Norman Borlaug, it was Henry Wallace. Unless you go before Henry. And before Henry, there was a guy who mentored Henry named George Washington Carver, the man who transformed the peanut. Y'all remember George Washington Carver, right? Come on, if you like peanut butter, you better give George Washington Carver a hand clap. When he was 18 years old, he was given a chance to study at Iowa State University. He had a dairy scientist professor on a Saturday morning that would allow his six-year-old little boy to go on botanical expeditions with George Washington Carver. This professor just trusted George. So he let his six-year-old little Henry Wallace run around with George. George would take six-year-old Henry and he would put a vision in his life about plants and the power that plants had to save our lives. He taught Henry the power of the peanut, that from the peanut he created 266 different ways to use the peanut, 88 different ways to use the sweet potato. So what you had at Thanksgiving is because George Washington Carver was flapping his wings and thinking, what could I do with the sweet potato? Anybody have some sweet potatoes during Thanksgiving? Anybody use peanuts during Thanksgiving in some way? The flapping of a wing with a six-year-old boy named Henry Wallace would go on to save two billion people's lives. It wasn't Norman Borlaug, it wasn't Henry Wallace, it was George Washington Carver. Unless you go before George Washington Carver. And before George Washington Carver, there was a man named Moses who had a wife named Susan. They lived in Diamond, Missouri. They lived in a slave state in the 1800s before the Civil War. And they didn't believe in slavery. They had a heart that everybody was created equal and everybody should be treated with honor and respect. And there was crazy, psychotic racists that were part of the KKK Klan that went and took young Mary Washington, who was just delivering her baby, and they took her little baby boy, George, in the middle of the night. They killed Mary and they left George in a burlap sack bag. Naked in this bag, crying in the middle of the night, Moses and Susan found George. And they took George Washington in. And the story says that Moses would whisper over George, I love you. I'm gonna raise you right. I'm gonna be a father to you. And you will do great things. One day you will change the world, George. Moses and Susan Carver gave George Washington the extra name Carver. 
So when you think about it, it wasn't Norman Borlaug, it wasn't Henry Wallace, it wasn't George Washington Carver, it was Moses and Susan, unless you go before Moses and Susan. Here's the point of the story. Every move you make has an impact for years to come. Every person you reach, every time you show up to church. This past week, I made a phone call to a, a young guy in our church, John Tyler Jr. I just heard that his father went to be with the Lord, John Tyler Sr. John Tyler was a member here. He actually came to the 9 a.m. service often, him and his wife. And I said, John, do you know that your dad had a massive impact on my life? He said, what do you mean? I said, in 1996, my dad took us to Israel. And I'll never forget being on a bus ride when John Tyler, this sweet man with gray hair, it was like the perfect gray hair, perfect white gray hair, he sat beside me and my brother John, and he made us laugh, he told us jokes, and then he said after the trip, if we ever wanted to hang out with him, we could. He said, I remember you guys came over to the shop. I said, yeah, as I got older, I would go over to his shop on 15th Street downtown. And when I could drive, I would drive there early in the morning. He would invite me and Daniel Grothy and Casey Stewart, Kalina Azabuki over to his shop. And we would sit there and he would make us eggs and bacon at 5.30 in the morning. And he would talk to us about Jesus. And then when it came time to propose to Ashley, he said, let me help you buy your ring. He said, You're, you saved up all your money to buy her ring. Let me buy your ring. He's the one that paid for the ring that I'm wearing today. I said, your dad made a huge impact on my life. He said, oh my goodness, I didn't realize that. Because every time you do something for somebody else, you're flapping your wings and you're changing the world. So Naomi tells Ruth, Ruth, go do what I've said. In verse seven of Ruth chapter three, Boaz finished eating and drinking and Ruth did exactly what Naomi told her to do. She approached quietly in the middle of the night. In the middle of the night, verse eight, the man was startled. What is this woman doing in front of my bed? Who are you, he asked. She said, I'm your servant, Ruth. I'm your servant and you have the power to redeem my life. Verse 10, Boaz said, the Lord bless you, my daughter. The kindness that you have shown is greater than what you have showed earlier. You've not run after younger men, whether rich or poor. My daughter, don't be afraid. I will take care of you. I will do whatever you ask. All the people in my town know that you are a woman of noble character. By the way, every time you do the right thing, even when no one sees it, God sees it. And God has a reward for the right things you've done in your life. I'm so thankful that God remembers the good things in your life, but he forgets your sins. He casts as far as the east is from the west. How many are thankful that God remembers the good things you've done? Your deeds will outlive you. Revelation says your good actions go with you into eternity. They echo decades after you're gone. People are still talking about, some guy commented on my Facebook this last week and they said, did you know your dad in 1993 came to Royal Rangers when you were there at a Royal Rangers event he skipped the church conference and this Royal Ranger commander is telling me this this week in 2022 30 years later he says your dad came to the Royal Rangers event he typed this out and he said 
I told him, pastor, what are you doing? There's a conference going on. He said, my church has many pastors, but my kids only have one father. I'm coming to the Royal Rangers event for my son tonight. When I read that comment, I started crying this week. I had not heard that story. And I just thought, what a good dad. What a good dad. God, I want to be that dad for my kids. I want to be that dad for my kids. Your good deeds outlive you. What you do for your kids, what you do for your kids, kids. It's butterfly effect. It just sets molecules into motion decades from now. We're still talking about the woman who broke her alabaster jar of perfume thousands of years ago on the feet of Jesus. Your good deeds outlive you. Eventually, your bad deeds are forgotten, especially when you repent. God remembers them no more. But your good deeds, God will never forget the good things you've done for your family, for other people. That's why your words carry so much power, your actions. So, so Boaz says, Ruth, everyone knows who you are. And he says, stay here. I won't lay a hand on you. You're not my wife yet. Watch this, the character of Boaz. He says, I'm not sleeping with you until I'm married to you. So she laid at his feet until morning and then got up before anyone could see. And he says, bring me the shawl you're wearing. Hold it out. Watch this. Boaz dumps six measures of barley, places the bundle on Ruth. He says, I don't want you going home empty handed. There's something that happens when you get the right connection. See, part of this butterfly effect, it's not just what you do. It's who you connect with in your lifetime. Who you connect with can set things in motion. See, Ruth never would have been mentioned as one of the, the moms that was in the lineage of Jesus Christ had she not had the Boaz connection. Boaz wouldn't have been a part of it had he not had the Ruth connection. They both needed each other. They were completing each other. They were a part of each other's story. Boaz was the son of a prostitute. His mom was Rahab. She was the one who grafted herself into the story of God when she let down the scarlet thread for Joshua's two spies. We talked about that earlier this year. You're closer to your future than you realize. When Rahab, who had been through rehab, was able to deliver these guys out of the enemy's hands, she grafted herself into the story. Your actions are grafting yourself into a story that's bigger than you. The connection is bigger than you. This last week, we went to Africa. And before I left to go there, they said, you have to be vaccinated to go. Well, I'm not vaccinated. Sorry if that offends you. Uh, but let's all play nice. Whatever you are, we love you. God bless you. But uh, I said, can I still go? They said, it's a risk. But you can send in your negative COVID test and pray for favor. So I was like, what's going to happen if I land and I don't have favor? And they're like, we'll see what happens. So I was like, so I tell my wife, Ashley, I'm like, what should I do? She was like, well, what do you feel? I was like, man, I feel like I'm supposed to preach there. I've been sensing it in my heart these last few months that I'm supposed to preach in Africa. She said, all right, let's pray for favor. So I go, me and Daniel go, and we prayed for favor. We sent our negative COVID test and, and we land in Accra, Ghana. And right as we're getting off the plane on the tarmac that leads into the airport, these two guys are standing on the side and they go, Pastor Doherty. I go, yeah, and they go, come with us. And so I look at Daniel, I was like, let's go with them. He's like, do you know them? I was like, no. He was like, where are we going? We walk through this side door. Everyone else is going to the airport. These guys are taking us down the side door in a black SUV with tinted windows. 
Daniel's like, what's gonna happen? I was like, I don't know, but it's gonna be a good story back home. I can't wait to tell my kids about this if we make it. So D, I get in the SUV and they're driving me there. And I said, where are we going? They said, you got a connection. I said, who? And they go, Pastor Gideon. That's the pastor I was preaching for. And um, I said, so are we gonna be okay? He said, yeah, Pastor Gideon. He's got a connection with the president. I said, the president of the airport? They said, no, the president of Ghana. I said, okay. So we go to this side office where the president has an office at the airport because he lives in Accra, the capital there. And he has an office at his estate and an office there because he flies out all the time. They take us into that office. Within two minutes, they're checking us through the passports. They accelerated, expedited everything. They go, okay, you're good to go. Here's your bags. And I'm like, what? And they're like, you got favor. Come on, favor ain't fair, church. When you get connected to your Boaz, when you get connected to God's plan, you find yourself in unusual places. There's no way I could have gotten in there unless I had a connection. And I was like, is this for real? Is this a dream or is this really happening? Then we got in the SUV. They put a policeman in front of us on a motorcycle. We had a police escort. There was traffic all the way to the church. They split the Red Sea. Our, our cars started driving between. The police were pulling people out. We got to that church. It should have taken us two hours. There was an acceleration there. When you're connected with the right house, when you get connected in the right relationships, this is why community is so important. This is why we gotta be right. Listen, this is not a time for Christians to be operating in isolation, solo. We've got to be united. We've gotta be working together. We can do, we, we are better together. We can do more together than we can apart. So Ruth is overloaded. She gets back home. She tells Naomi everything he did for her. And she says, listen, I have plenty of food for us. Then Naomi said in verse 18, wait, my daughter, until you find out what happens, for the man will not sleep until the matter is settled today. We're living in a time where we have a short Kairos moment, a window of time where God is calling the church to act now, speak now, move now, sacrifice now. We may not have the opportunity tomorrow. Sometimes we're sleeping through the greatest seasons that God wants to move through our lives because we're tired and weary. In this moment, Naomi's tiredness takes, takes a backseat. She decides we've got, to, we've got to get ready. Boaz is about to move now. In verse one of chapter four, meanwhile, Boaz went to the town gate and he sat down in his seat of authority. It's time that you take a seat of authority in your house today. And he, he decided he was ready to make a decision. James says a double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. At some point, you gotta sit down and make a decision. And you've gotta choose who you're gonna be, what you're gonna do, regardless of what people say, regardless of what people think. Flap your wings and watch what God will do. Boaz says, come over here, my friend. You got an option here. You are the first relative who has rights to redeem this property. He begins to talk about this property. This relative says, I'm interested. I will redeem it. Then Boaz says, the day you buy this land from Naomi, you also acquire Ruth, the Moabite, the dead man's widow. Listen to how Boaz describes the situation. 
He says, it's going to be tough to maintain the name of the dead with his property. At this, the guardian redeemer says, I cannot redeem it because I might endanger my own estate. This other relative is selfishly thinking about how this messes with his plans and his life. If you're concerned about your own plans, you're gonna miss out on God's plan. If you're concerned, this is why the, when Jesus told the story of the Good Samaritan, there was a priest who was busy going to church. There was a Levite who was busy going to prayer. And because they had their own plans, their own agenda, their own priorities, they missed out on the opportunity to show compassion to this Jewish man on the street until the Good Samaritan came. Once you put your plans to the side and say, God, you can use me however you want to use me. You can use me to speak life, to bring hope, to, to help heal areas that have been hurt. When Boaz said, if you're not going to redeem her, I am. So the guardian redeemer said to Boaz, it's yours to redeem. Then Boaz said to all the people, today you are witnesses that I have bought this land from Naomi. I have acquired Ruth as my wife. And from this day on, I will take care of this family. The elders spoke up. The Lord bless you, Boaz. And the Lord bless Ruth. Make her like Rachel and Leah, who together built up the family of Israel. May you have standing in the town. Be famous in Bethlehem. Through the offspring, may the Lord give you through this young woman. May your family be like that of Perez, whom Tamar bore to Judah. So Boaz took Ruth, and she became his wife. And when he made love to her, the Lord enabled her to conceive, and she gave birth to a son. And the son's name was Obed. And Obed became the father of Jesse, and Jesse became the father of David. And Moses and Susan took care of George Washington Carver. And George Washington Carver mentored Henry Wallace. And Henry Wallace mentored Norman Borlaug. Norman Borlaug saved two billion people's lives. And the guy on this stage is here because a woman and a man had a vision for Tulsa, Oklahoma. And they came from Oral Roberts University. They started Victory Church. And a whole lot of members in this house have prayed over this guy who have ministered into this guy's life. And someone in your life made an impact on you. Their words, their actions, their sacrifice, their generosity, their kindness. We wouldn't be here today if it wasn't for Ruth and Boaz and Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and Gideon and all of the different people that God moved or do you have to be perfect for God to make an impact through your life? No. Do you have to have a perfect past? No. You just have to be willing to flap your wings and say yes to God. I want to end with four ways that you can make an impact. Four ways. Number one, your words. Your words are like the wings of a butterfly, setting things in motion. The world that we live in today started with the words of God. Let there be light. Let there be land. Let there be animals, fish in the sea. Let there be life-giving plants and trees. See, God spoke things into existence. Ezekiel spoke over the valley of dry bones. Jesus spoke over blind men. He spoke into Peter's life. He speaks into your life today. We have the power to speak life or death this week. Speak life. Think of someone you can encourage. Think of someone you could text today. Think of someone you could invite. Your words could bring somebody back to church. Somebody is waiting for your words at the restaurant you eat at today. I don't know why, but I just had this restaurant pop up in my head right now, so I'm gonna say it, Yokozuna. Anybody ever eaten at Yokozuna before? 
All right, so whoever you are that's going to Yokozuna this week, I just felt like the Lord was saying, you're gonna run into a waitress, a waiter, somebody there, and God's gonna use your words to speak life to that person and to interrupt the depression, discouragement, suicidal thoughts that's going on in that person's mind. Wherever you are, use your words. Number two, your actions, your actions. And I'm gonna give you a bonus here, it's not on the notes, attitude. Attitude is a butterfly flap right there. Your actions, your attitude, when you move, when Ruth showed up, she laid herself down at the altar of Boaz's bed. When I come down to the altar of a church service, it's almost like what Ruth was doing for Boaz. I'm saying, Lord, you can have my life. Lord, I surrender my heart. Never underestimate 13 steps from your row down to the altar. 26 steps from your row. When you move with an action and an attitude that says, God, I want you to move through my life, God shows up. It's the flapping of butterfly wings. Our actions have an impact. Number three, our sacrifices. Our sacrifices. We're still talking about the sacrifice of the woman with the alabaster jar, the sacrifice of Boaz redeeming Ruth, the sacrifice of Ruth taking care of Naomi, the sacrifices that are talked about in the Bible. Here we are thousands of years later still talking about sacrifices. When's the last time you sacrificed financially for the kingdom of God? Got really quiet in this charismatic church. We shout when it's about our benefit, but we get quiet when it's about our sacrifice. Like if I was like, breakthrough's coming for you, woo! Sacrifice financially. Come on. We're here today because people sacrificed. We have a youth group next door because people sacrificed. We have a dream center in North Tulsa because people sacrificed. There's a university across the street because people sacrificed. There's hospitals called St. Francis and St. John because people sacrificed. There's nurses and doctors that worked during Thanksgiving. I was in the ER during Thanksgiving and I'm watching people sacrifice their Thanksgiving to serve these people in the waiting room. I'm so thankful for people who live with the spirit that goes beyond mediocrity and what's in it for me and convenience and comfort. People who are willing to sacrifice. God, I wanna be a person who's willing to sacrifice. Number four, honor, honor. We flap our wings when we honor, when we honor God, when we honor others. And that spells wash. Wash yourself with your words, your actions, your sacrifice, and your honor. You can change the world. Ruth did, Boaz did, Jesus did, John Tyler did, Mike McCutcheon did. You can too. Would you stand to your feet all over this place? little steps of obedience, little words of hope. I was watching this past week, our youngest child, she's one and a half now. She finally started walking, Gianna. She's been crawling for a long time and she finally got the courage to stand up and start walking. And when she saw me, she was so excited. When I got home from Africa, she just stood there and all the kids said, Daddy, watch this. So we're standing there and I'm about six feet back. And they go, come on, Gianna, you can do it. Liam's cheering, Benny's cheering, Ellie's cheering, Mac is cheering, all the kids. And uh, Gianna starts taking one step at a time. She starts walking towards me. 
And they're all cheering her on. I give her this big hug. We're so excited. Gianna can finally, our last child can finally walk. Pretty soon our last child will be out of diapers. Come on, Jesus. But every step matters. And, and our actions matter. This week I had to correct one of our kids because he was just pouting and complaining. And he was saying, this is not a fun life. And I was like, you got food? You got a bed? You got friends? You got family? You got a church? It's a wonderful world. Some of us need to change our attitude. We're in a series called Wonderful World and we just keep complaining about stuff. We just are cynical, critical, frustrated. And if we will change our attitude, our words, we could change our world if we just take this mindset on to say, you know what? I am not gonna complain this week. This week, I'm gonna speak life. I'm gonna give thanks to God for breath in my lungs, for the country that I live in, for the chance to go to church, for friends and family. If we can just take back, Lord, I just pray right now, God, that we would be inspired by the story of Ruth and Boaz and all these people today in this sermon. I pray, God, that you would help us to see the power that we have, that you've given us, Lord, to make a, an impact, a difference in the world, even if it's just one person's life, the words that we speak this week to someone, the actions that we take this week in our own life, the sacrifices we make this week, the honor that we show to people. Lord, I pray that we would take it seriously, that each day we would realize we can change the world with what we're doing here. With heads bowed and eyes closed, if you're here today and you just need to surrender to the Lord, maybe your attitude, your words, your actions, maybe you've just felt like apathy has just been holding you back. Maybe you've just forgotten the value of your own life. Maybe you've forgotten the power of your words. The enemy's just gotten you in a, in a place of just talking negatively, thinking negatively. And today you're saying, I need God to renew my mind. I need God to revive my spirit. I need this message to come alive on the inside of me. If that's you, I want you to just raise your hand up all over this room. Today is your day to make a change. Today is your day to say, Lord, change my attitude, change my mind, change my heart, change my words. Lord, Holy Spirit, I surrender to you today, just like Ruth did. I'm laying myself at the feet of God today to say, Lord, I surrender everything I've been holding on to. Maybe it's hurts, maybe it's wounds, disappointment, discouragement, bitterness, fear about tomorrow, whatever it is. Secondly, you're here today and you say, Paul, I'm not right with God. I need to get right with God. I need to repent of sin. I need to receive his mercy, his forgiveness in my life. I need to let Jesus truly be Lord of my life. If that's you, lift your hand up today. Today is your day of salvation. Today is your day of forgiveness. Today is your day of new beginnings. Today is your day to say, Jesus, you can have my life. Lastly, if you just need prayer today, I'm gonna ask you to leave your seat. I wanna pray with you. If you raise your hands for any of those or you need prayer today, you just need to get down to the altar. Why don't you come and join us right here? And let's cheer on today, brave men, brave women, boys and girls, moms, dads, grandparents, husbands, wives, whatever season of life you're in, let's just worship. Dom, will you lead us in that song?
If you need healing this morning, why don't you come down to the altar? If you need healing in your body, healing in your immune system, maybe it's a, a sickness or a disease that doctors have told you you have today. If that's you, I want you to just take a step of faith towards the altar today. I wanna pray for you. I want our team pastors to pray for you. The Bible says that we can lay hands on the sick and we can bring healing to our church members through our prayers coming together and speaking the healing power of God in Jesus' name. By His stripes, you are healed from the top of your head to the soles of your feet. In Jesus' name, we speak healing over bodies, minds, hearts, marriages, families, financial situations. Lord, I thank you, God, for your healing power today. Lord, we just bind sickness and disease, trying to rob people of, of their health, of their life. God, I thank you in Jesus' name for a fresh start, renewal, revival. Lord, a refreshing strength in Jesus' name. He's with you. He's for you. You're getting your strength back in Jesus' name. Your muscles are getting stronger. Your blood is getting stronger. Lord, I thank you, Jesus, for healing every man, every woman in the room today that needs healing. Lord, I just speak life in Jesus' name. Lord, we speak health in Jesus' name, strength in Jesus' name. Let's just begin to worship God. Just receive your healing today in Jesus' name. Cancer's got to go. Sickness has to go. Storms are being still, and 
together say Jesus thank you that you died on the cross for my sin shame sickness and disease you rose from the grave you have the final say you have authority so today I surrender to you you are my Lord my Savior my healer my Redeemer my sins are forgiven I repent and I receive your mercy and grace. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me, for healing me, renewing me, reviving me. Use my life for your glory. My words, my actions, my attitude, my sacrifice, my honor for your glory. I'm all yours, Jesus. Have your way in my life. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.